and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. And from all of us here at Online Warriors Incorporated, are we incorporated? First of all, before I say incorporated, Nerd Bomber, our business liaison, are we incorporated? We are definitely not incorporated. I feel like there's a lot of paperwork around an incorporation or a corporation. I don't know. I don't even know what adult. Yeah, I don't know. It's adult things. I don't know. There's LLCs. Well, anyways, from all of us here at Online Warriors, not incorporated. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thanksgiving's going to look a little different for a lot of people this year, myself included, Nerd Bomber and Technic included. We wish everyone a safe and enjoyable Turkey Day. We're down to three this week, as opposed to last week when we had our, our Patreon producer on as a guest. But we're back to just the three amigos, three musketeers, the three podcast hosts, Illegal86, myself, joined by Nerd Bomber and Tactic, as always. Tactic, you have not said anything yet, so I'll give you a chance to get a word in edgewise here. Heyo. That's all I got. It's a pretty good word, and you definitely got it in edgewise. So we are here rounding out November, and we have some exciting news topics today, one of which, a little bit Christmassy, there's a big movie coming out on December 25th, and you're going to be able to watch it at home on HBO Max. We're, of course, talking about Wonder Woman 1984. We'll get to that in a little bit. But we also have to talk about this exciting new announcement from IOI Games called Project 007, and you probably know what mega million dollar franchise that's related to no spoilers no spoilers my my mistake and then we're gonna be talking about comcast we're gonna really bring you down there with that last one in fact we'll start with that one because no one likes to talk about comcast because frankly comcast is a terrible company and (laughs) this headline (laughs) reflects that so let's get the bad out of the way let's let's purge the negative emotions from this week of thanksgiving let's slay the demons and let's talk about comcast so before we get into the news if I understand correctly, which I like to think I do, I am the only of the three hosts here who has ever had the enormous pleasure of having my internet provided to me by Comcast. Is that correct, Tactic Nerd Bomber? Yeah, thankfully, we have never had to deal with Comcast. I've heard very bad things about it. Some of it, a lot of it from you, I've heard very bad service yeah. issues with Comcast, but we've Just been awful. lucky. Lately, we've had Verizon Fios, which has been amazing. I mean... As much as an internet service provider can be, they all kind of suck. But we've also had like right. Spectrum, which was bad and probably on the same level as Comcast. Maybe not as bad, though. I've heard some bad things about, about Spectrum. I will say, too, I have escaped the Comcast hell. I'm out. I'm now on AT&T, which is fine. Not, I, I don't have any real complaints about that. But frankly, my girlfriend deals with that. So a lesson to everyone out there, get your girlfriend to deal with your internet and you'll be fine with your internet provider there might be secret hellscape associated with at&t that i don't know about but comcast was the worst and that was when i was looking at myself and they would charge you an arm and a leg for various like if you had to get a new remote or like if you when you got their box they gave you the wrong they'd give you the wrong modem and then you'd go and try to get it to work and they would say oh well we gave the wrong modem you have to go back and trying to cancel the service is like trying to kill your firstborn child meaning it's hard you know killing your firstborn child shouldn't be easy certainly but the latest news from Comcast. They are about to impose a home internet data cap in more than a dozen U.S. states starting next year, technically starting in January and February, but they're trying to essentially wean customers off of larger data usage and get them down into this cap. Now, I'm going to walk through some of the details here. First of all, this only applies if you're not on an unlimited plan. And I didn't even know that internet had limits before reading this article. So I don't know, take from that what you will. The limit is 1.2 terabytes of data in a month. And apparently, first of all, this is already in effect for customers in other parts of the country, but this 
This is adding, I think, 12 states or something, some large numbers, but it's, it's big news. Listen for these states now. Connecticut, Delaware, Massachusetts, Maryland, Maine, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Vermont, West Virginia, and the District of Columbia, as well as parts of North Carolina and Ohio. So that's actually more than 12 states, if I, my math serves me. But according to Comcast, 95% of its customers don't get close to using 1.2 terabytes of data in a month. I don't know how much data I use in a month. I don't know how much Nerbomber and Technic use in a month. But this will start in January and until March. Comcast will give customers affected by this quote-unquote credit for any data usage charges over 1.2 terabytes to ease them into the new limits, basically telling them there are limits coming, start adjusting your usage. And then in March, every time you go over, you get charged $10 per 50 gigabytes of extra data for a maximum of $100. Now, I have a lot of gripes and questions. If this doesn't affect 95% of its customers... Why bother? Why are they doing it? (laughs) It's like, for me, that is question one. Why in the world are they doing it? Over the last six months, which of course, internet usage is up during the year of, of the pandemic, the median monthly data use was around 308 gigabytes. So if, again, not even close. So the good news, I guess, if you're from one of the states I mentioned and you're freaking out, if you check your internet usage, chances are, unless you're like a Twitch streamer or you're running some kind of cottage industry out of your cottage, you're fine. But that still, to me, begs the question of why even do it? You know, Comcast... This article I have from The Verge kind of goes on to say Comcast has been working with the FCC essentially to basically, you know, improve internet services for this country in the midst of the pandemic, you know, especially for lower income households. They've increased the speed of their internet essentials tier, which is their broadband plan designed to target low income families, which is great. Why were you throttling it in the first place would be another question that I would have. Internet is a strange thing. And and not to broaden the scope before Nerdbomber or Tech have really had a chance to speak, but like... There's a lot of questions right now about internet rights and like every country, every household in the world should have internet. It seems like it's essentially a basic right by this point. So why are we fiddling with speeds and data caps? It's not, I don't know. I'll turn it over to you guys, whichever one of you wants to rail on Comcast first or not, or come to Comcast defense. I don't expect either of you will do that, but I definitely, you have the floor. I am not in defense of this. I think this sets a really bad precedent. I think now more than ever, like you said, we've come to realize how absolutely essential the internet is. I mean, when you you think about all of the people working from home right now, all of the schools, I think that's probably one of the biggest ones is that one of the biggest issues that people have had with the whole remote schooling issue in the surge of the pandemic, and, and not to always like make this center around the pandemic, but it, this is a very real and pertinent issue. And I have you know, family members who have kids in school. And I could not imagine what it would be like if they did not have access to good internet or if, God forbid, the data cap for whatever reason prevented their kid from getting online. I mean, I understand that it's a pretty large and gracious cap, but there should be no cap, period. I mean, it's something that I understand with wireless networks because the more data you use, obviously there's only so much bandwidth to go around in the wireless systems at the moment. And I get that, but the internet's pretty well established, like landlines and stuff like that are pretty well established at this point. And I think we should be looking for ways to eliminate data caps and speeding up internet rather than putting a cap because, okay, it might not be an issue now, but essentially what I think this is, is them setting the groundwork because 
I mean, if, if you look at people, like you said, specifically Twitch streamers, how much data you're using, how much you're downloading, how much you're putting out there in the world. I mean, it's not just video games anymore. I mean, you see whole TV shows and podcasts and stuff like that, all video, and that's large amounts of data that they're putting out there and transferring either to work networks or to the broader scope of the internet. And that's only going to increase even after this pandemic is over. I think we're already trending towards an all digital revolution. I mean, nobody is really, there's so many people cutting cables when it comes to even like television. Everybody's streaming stuff. Everybody is reliant on the internet to share information and communicate and do jobs. And I mean, even security systems, data systems at the national level that our governments use. I mean, internet at this point, and I feel like that maybe this is like slightly bordering on political, but internet should just be available. It's a utility at this point. It's a necessity. And putting caps on internet is just ridiculous. And I understand people are going to be like, oh, well, then you just pay the overage fee. But it's just that we're going in the wrong direction here. We're only going to use more data as life progresses. So we're going in the wrong direction. here. I dislike this a lot. And, And to think about it from the personal life aspect, Everyone's going to get smart homes. Everyone's homes are having an Alexa or a Google device or whatever. Not only that, we have all digital content and video games. So you're downloading gigabytes and gigabytes and gigabytes. I mean, massive games onto your console. So that's going to be a huge uptick. And then the other thing is they're trying to justify it based on average. No one's downloading entire games every month on average. So it's going to normalize it to make them be able to justify it when, in my opinion, it's really not valid. You're going to be hitting hundreds of people with these $50 to $10 charges here and there. And it's just, it's not justified. And it's, it's a sneak attack, in my opinion, and I don't like it. So Comcast, back in March, it's worth, and we've talked about the pandemic a few times, it's worth providing that context. First of all, there were concerns about the internet infrastructure in the beginning of all of this. You know, obviously people are using their residential internet, you know, setups much more than they ever have. And if you're curious, you know, I would implore you if you haven't experienced it recently, if you guys experience this, you're at home, like on a work day or even on a weekend and your internet goes out. And especially in 2020, you're like... (laughs) what do i do like it's sad it is sad i'll admit like i literally have a moment of like now what yeah i literally cut my internet that's that's right i do remember this so it's crazy and and comcast did in march to their credit they did suspend their data cap policy for 60 days and i know for a fact at&t again being a customer of theirs right now they did the same thing i don't remember for how long or maybe it's even still going on but i don't understand like, I, I want to know how much money they ma- they stand to make from this cap, how much they need that money, and how bad their infrastructure would be hit without that cap. I mean, it's not. It says like, it says that there's a hundred dollar maximum. I would rather they said that this is our unlimited plan and it's a hundred dollars more. Just be. Also, just they be do have unlimited plans. For what it's worth, they do have unlimited plans. I don't know how much they are relative to the non unlimited plans. Probably depends on your speeds and things like that. But the point is that I just like. I don't understand. I, I highly doubt that people would go over this cap and suddenly all hell would break loose. It's it's you know, it's, it's not like people are out there saying, well, if there's no cap, I'm going to use all the internet I can. No, people use what they need or what they feel they need to either survive or live a comfortable life, whichever one you want. And 
I just, just feels so tacky, especially in a time like this. And even post-COVID, a lot of businesses are looking at, well, long-term, maybe we could have some of the workforce work from home permanently as like a employee right. satisfaction move. So this is the way the world is going. And they, I think, should adjust accordingly to bring people in as opposed to rip people off. Because you know what happens whenever service providers do something like this. And if you have options in your area, which honestly, in our current situation, we don't have an option. That's Um, exactly the situation I'm in. But there are some places where you do have options. We, all three of us are apparently just not lucky enough to live in those places. I'm actually very thankful that we got saddled with Fios over some of the other options that we've had in the past. And Honestly, like I would be that person that'd be like, okay, well, I'm just going to leave then. I'm going to bounce. I'll go to this other service provider and check you later. Bye. You're touching on a huge issue. You know, I I mean, I don't want to call it monopolization, but like in the town that I'm in, there's basically two halves to the town. One half is Comcast and one half is AT&T. And guess where I, you know, I moved. That's why I moved off of Comcast. I moved. But if I were to stay in the apartment that I was in, I'm stuck with Comcast. That's who I have. And like, it's predatory monopolization. You don't have other options a lot of the time. I don't think our situations are particularly uncommon where we have what we have and that's it. And that's the problem. And, and you know, it's funny. Nerdbomber and I, and when all three of us had a conversation a few weeks back, I got a new iPhone and I was talking about how even in wireless, using Verizon as an example, because I'm a Verizon customer, they don't care about loyalty. You can't dangle that in front of them anymore. At least I don't, it doesn't seem that way because I tried to, you know, they had no deals on the new iPhones. And I said, hey, if I switch to AT&T and sign up as a new customer, they'll basically give me a new iPhone for free. And Verizon basically said, okay, goodbye. Now, they called my bluff. I was never going to change, but... <laughs> That's not, that's not the point. The point is there's three big companies you know, it's, it's talking about wireless and about cable. It, most of the time, there's a maximum of three big companies you have to choose from. And first of all, there's probably customers going back and forth between them all the time and they don't care because they know eventually you'll be back because there's only three people to bounce between. And if you change again and change again, guess what? You're back where you started. So telecom is horrible. I, I, I don't want to leave it there, but like, I don't know what else to say. Like Comcast has like one of the lowest customer appreciation rates. It might be like the lowest customer appreciation rate in like all of business. I think it did last year. And like there's no sign of that changing and they don't care and they don't have to care. They're still going to get everybody's money. Everyone needs internet. So I don't know. It's weird because like we've lived through the birth and the growth of a brand new utility. And it's very strange because like we're basically watching people try to grapple with this, how to handle basically the growing use of this utility. Because at this point, like I said before, internet is a utility or it should be considered one. And it it makes you kind of think like when electricity first became huge and widely adopted, like how did electricity get to where it is now? I I feel like there's probably some interesting history around that that I might go look up after this episode. I mean, electricity is not a right either, though. Yeah, I guess that's fair, but but it's still still a utility and there's like... And it's closer to one than internet is, I would say. Uh, but you raise a fair point, Tactic. It's it's not it's not a right. It's a basic utility, but still, a lot of countries, areas of certain countries, just don't have it. In any case, we're gonna move on. Like I said, we're gonna exercise the demons early this this week. Get to the fun stuff. But uh, if you're a Comcaster, first of all, I'm so sorry. Second of all, hit us up on Twitter. Talk to us about your experience. I'll be able to commiserate at the very least. At uh, OW Legal 86, we have at OW Tactic, at OW Nerd Bomber, and our main show account at Online Warriors One. 
ready to chat with you about all things Comcast, all things nerd, all things 007. Although I should kind of stick a pin in that because I'm not like the biggest James Bond fan. I, I don't I don't know if either of you guys are. I've seen some of the Daniel Craig movies. For the record, I think Pierce Brosnan is the true James Bond, but I've also never seen a Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie. I just think he looks like the most James Bond person I've ever seen. Why did and I think for me, you were enough. a very big James Bond guy? I feel like there was... I, no, you're, I you're a Tom be. Cruise guy. You're a Mission Impossible. I knew it was a spy that I'm a you Mission were, like, Impossible guy. Into. I'm a Mission Impossible guy. I feel like I should be a James Bond guy. Like, I, you know, like, I, th- I think I should be... And maybe eventually I'll evolve into the kind of person who, like, I'll sit down with a martini, shaken, not stirred, and, like, watch a James Bond movie. But, like, I just don't, especially the old ones, like, you would think, like, like Sean Connery died. You'd think I'd be like, I'm going to go watch Octopussy or something, Goldfinger, whatever one of his more popular ones was. But I didn't because, like, they're very, they're very campy to me. And also, and I'm about to anger a lot of James Bond fans, but I don't really care. They are the most, like, chauvinistic things like, if you ever watch a James Bond movie, if you've never watched one and you go to watch one, be prepared for, like, the most horrible treatment of women in the universe. <laughs> like, I, well. I don't want to get, again, I don't want to get, like, political or anything, but, like, he's, James Bond is literally, like, have sex with me right now. And the woman's like, I can't. And he's like, well, we'll see. Like, it's, it's literally what happens in these movies. You're going to make this, now we're my follow-on to. statement kind of uh, embarrassing, I guess. So You're a huge fan? <laughs> I'm not a huge fan, but I'm the offspring. You can be a fan without being a fan of the gross stuff, the gross parts. I mean, I'm an off. I'm the offspring of the world's biggest fans. Got the DVD box set and everything. Well, I mean, when you look at stuff like that, especially like all of that legacy stuff, it was problematic. I think we can all agree it on that. Badly. But that, yeah. I think it just yeah, like you said, it ages badly. That I mean, was, it was, but it, it was, was relevant in the, the time, time that it came out, and and that I mean, yeah, none of the advertisements at the time aged well at all. But I mean, well, at the time, they sold product, and that's what you have to consider. And, and it's it's grounded in, and I, I do want to like, I don't want to recant, but like, Casino Royale is an amazing movie. If you haven't seen Casino Royale, the Daniel Craig one, go watch it. And like, it has it has none of that going on. It, it's it's the cleanest one in terms of that. But like, the modern 007s no had the right amount of charm where it wasn't cringeworthy, and right. Well, some of my best the memories were as a young kid watching the Daniel Craig ones with my dad because it didn't seem like, well, how the heck did he get her in her bed now? Like, what just happened? Like, <laughs> it kind of made sense. Right. Wait, hold on. Right. Were we kids when he was Daniel Craig I, first became? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah we were. C- C- Casino Royale, I think we were middle school or high school. We were like older kids, but we were still kids. Weird. Um, when was Pierce Brosnan yeah. then? I was still young enough to be going nice. to like... Not be like, I'm too cool to go to the movie theaters, but you, Dad. You know, I was young enough to be in that phase and still go. Hey, I've Pierce never Brosnan really been there. The I go to the movies with my dad all the time. Oh, I'm back. And, I'm back well, to appreciate it now. I've even gone to the movies with a legal's dad. I, I'm just, I'm a, a movie true. dad girl. <laughs> Guys, we all, that's a weird thing to say, but we all went. Tactic, you must not have been there. Was no, I wasn't there? invited. No, he was on I town. think you, you were out of town. Me, it was me, Nora Bomber, my dad. And I think my brother, it wasn't just the three of us. That would have been extremely weird. But there was like four of us or something. And we went to see The Accountant, the Ben Affleck movie. Went to see The Accountant. Because I told my dad, I was like leaving the house. I was like, hey, see you, dad. I'm going to the movie theater. I'm, I'm going to the movies with Nerd Bomber. And he's like, what are you seeing? I'm like, The Accountant. He's like, oh, man. Oh, man. Can I come? I want to watch it so bad. And I, I, 
don't remember. I don't remember if I texted you. I was like, hey, can my dad come? Or if I just showed up with him. I don't remember. I honestly but, don't uh, remember. He went and we all had a great time. But Casino Royale came out in 2006 to answer the question of when it came out. We were just started high school. All, all three of us had, I think. Cause, but it's to go back to the like chauvinism thing to kind of get that out of the way before we get to the fun part again. It's the designing principle of James Bond, right? Is it's appealing to the male fantasy in like every possible way, right? Imagine that you're an attractive super spy with a bunch of gadgets, a fancy car, you shoot people and you can... Just let me know when I start imagining. (laughs) (laughs) So you can smooch any woman you want. You have this like beguiling charm. And like the way that that translates on the silver screen is often, especially these days, beyond cringy. But they, I, I think to give the franchise a little bit of credit, at this point, it knows what it is. And I'm sure it's well aware of the cringiness. And again, to, again, to use Casino Royale as an example, like it works through that in a way that I think is pretty good. But there are some low lights for sure in the franchise. Anyways, I'm not a big James Bond fan. Uh, I like Casino Royale. I think I liked Skyfall quite a bit. But this is the kind of franchise, right, that should scream, much like the Harry Potter franchise did. And we were talking about this. It should scream video game, right? I mean, harken back to the days of like Nintendo 64 GoldenEye, and it, it was a huge success. People consider it one of the greatest games ever. I've actually never played GoldenEye for N64. That's, um, potentially that's a dangerous statement, but it should translate. Espionage in general should translate into video games fairly easily. And a company is coming along and starting Project 007, and that company is IOI. And if you don't know IOI, their big shtick is the Hitman franchise. Now, Nerd Bomber Tactic hitman experience if any i have zero so i never really got into the hitman games but i had both golden eye and golden eye reload for various consoles and based on what i've seen on the hitman experience there is definitely room for improvement while fantastic games room for improvement improvement on golden eye or hitman golden eye okay i was gonna say so we have hitman if you ever want to play a tech tech and i have i never really got too in the weeds but i have dabbled in it and I mean, it's a pretty solid experience. It's very, I, it's I, everything. I played a demo you, once. It's like everything you want out of a Hitman-y type game. You know what I mean? And I think that kind of genre and that kind of experience from IO is a pretty good fit here. Like, yeah. essentially, not that Hitman could be like completely reskinned, but I think a lot of the same foundation is there. Well, that's just, that's just it. That's why I said there's room for improvement because in GoldenEye, it was basically when you entered the room, you started almost instantly getting shot on. So there wasn't really that blasting. spy, you know, stealthiness attribute in that game. And so now to be able to combine it with what they do in Hitman, I think they're going to take all of the good aspects that we know and love from the previous games and put a twist where you can actually be a super slick, charming spy. And I'm here for it. Right. Well, I, I think they, you know, but given what they do, they probably have a pretty good grip on what the gameplay mechanics themselves should look like. And then they're basically just getting a huge IP boon in, you know, you have James Bond, you have all the trappings of MI6. I mean, I'm what I'm imagining is you do missions and you get upgrades to your gear. You do the first mission, you get a spy watch. You do mission number two, you get a spy pen. You do mission number three, you get an Aston Martin. Like it's, and you drive it around. Like there's... It's going to be stuff like that. And I don't know how multiplayer would work necessarily. Probably just be running around shooting people. But I don't know how Hitman does multiplayer either, if it even does. I'm certainly on board. It certainly seems like something that seems bankable as all get out. So 
potentially a match made in heaven. But I'll Nerdbomber, it sounded like you were gonna add something. Well, I think kind of building off the Goldeneye thing, like Tactic said, like it was a lot of gunning and gunplay. And with James Bond, part of the best parts of those movies is when he is able to be a spy and like be wily and creative. You know what I mean? And right. not have like a game on rails. And I think the Hitman formula if adapted properly, would make it a really, really fun James Bond experience. And I'm really excited because, I mean, James Bond, I mean, GoldenEye was so long ago, it feels like, and nothing has been done with that IP in the video game realm in so long. Which is nuts. Yeah. And especially going into next gen, there's so many things that you can do. And especially with like the capabilities of the DualSense controller, potentially, there's so many cool things that you can do. And I'm just, I'm really kind of excited for this. I think it would be a great start. I could see this turning into a franchise similar to what we saw with Spider-Man. I mean, there have been Spider-Man games in the past, but with Insomniac's latest version of it, it feels like a solid ground and a solid footing for a longstanding franchise. And I feel like if IO Interactive does a really good job here, I think this could be the James Bond experience franchise for video games moving forward. And I really hope for a Q gadget wheel. Like, absolutely. Well, th- there's like, it's going to be interesting because I don't know if Hitman, like, to me, when I think of James Bond, I think of the gadgets and stuff, of course, but there's the swapness, there's the slickness. But then, like, especially in the in the Daniel Craig rendition, which they have made changes with it, you know, I remember the first scene of Casino Royale where he's just shooting people, he's, he's kind of off the rails, James Bond. That's that's like his story arc is he's totally off the rails. He's just punching people. He's blowing buildings up. He's doing whatever he wants to get the job done. You know, doesn't care if there's collateral damage. I am wondering, you know, with that comes a lot of set pieces. And I don't know if Hitman really has set pieces. I don't know if it's known for set pieces in the way that, say, an Uncharted is known for set pieces or like any more cinematic, even Call of Duty, like has some really great cinematic set pieces. And... I think that's the thing this is going to need if it wants to fly. I mean, yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, some of the most notorious James Bond movies had like these dramatic boat chases and things like that. So you absolutely have to have scenery. And I think it'd be interesting to see what the studio does and and if they can step up to to the plate to deliver. You know what I kind of hope this game is like? And I don't know if you guys played it, potentially. But Illegal, I think you are the one who gave me this game. Alpha Protocol. Like, Alpha Protocol. So I, I, so I think I played the demo for this. this game. Yeah. So Alpha Protocol, I remember, was a big deal at the time because, again, it was espionage outside of, I guess, Hitman to an extent is like it's a very untapped genre in general. It must be hard to do in some way because but that's what Alpha Protocol was going for. And that's like like I played a game for Xbox 360, again, driven by a spy movie franchise. It was called The Bourne Conspiracy. And like I love The Bourne franchise. It was very middling, this game. But it was still fun because you're you're a spy and you're like you're driving you're in car chases you're punching people like it's just it seems like it should it should go off without a hitch and I guess we'll see if, if that happens but yeah Alpha Protocol I did I give you Alpha Protocol I might have you I did on a Christmas gift there was and this is kind of a tangential thing but there was one Christmas I think where you and I were like okay for Christmas gifts because we were like poor college kids like let, let's go into GameStop and we'll take like twenty bucks and 
do any combination of used games because I think the yeah. current gen had started. So like Xbox Ones and PS4s were out, but we were still playing on the 360. And I think we went in and we're like, let's see the different types of 360 games that we can get each other for 20 bucks. And I think we both walked away with like a stack of four or five games or something. Because at the time they were selling yeah. like 360 games, I think were two to five bucks. So we picked up like four or five games and... Alpha Protocol I know, was I can, in my stack. My my shelf is within sight, so I can tell you. You got me Deus Ex. I think is it. I might be Mankind Divide. I can't read the subtitle from here. You got me Brink and then Shadow Run. So I I think those were the three. But yeah, that was a really fun thing we did that year. We should do that again sometime. It was just like going to GameStop twenty dollars, whatever you come out with. You know, it was a fun do do that online warriors. Go do that for Christmas. That's exactly what I did with my friends on my eighteenth birthday. I fully support it. Do you think that would still be possible? Like, what do you think? Because I haven't yes. gotten a used game in a, a bit from GameStop because obviously the last six months, but also before that, I think I was just saving money and trying to play games that I already had. Plus I had Game Pass. Do you think it's possible to get like four games for 20 bucks these days? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. On, on, I mean, not on Switch, obviously, but PS4, you could do that without breaking a sweat, I would imagine. So then go do yeah, that, maybe people. Maybe we should try. It was yeah, it was go, a very it. fun day. I remember because we were in there for like an hour and you're like pouring through all of the cheap games because at that point, everyone was trading stuff in to get the quote unquote next gen, which is now current gen. So it was right. like a goldmine for us. And now we're back to that point again where the next gen's out and you, you're riding the next gen. I'm riding the old gen still. So, But honestly, yeah. the old gen can play on the next gen. So keep that in mind, Win -win. folks. Project 007, as far as I can tell, does not yet have a release date. It's currently in development. They have a website where there's not a lot of information. It basically just says, if you want to help us make it, <laughs> you, you can do that. But we're developing it. They released a short teaser that basically shows the barrel of a gun and plays the iconic theme music. So this is coming, and hopefully, hopefully soon. We will keep you updated on this, among other things. Right now, we're going to take our, our usual break. But before we do, we would be remiss if we did not shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Checkness. Ben was here last week. You heard from him. We talked about a number of things. He gave us an audio quiz that I really whiffed on. Uh, I think I'm on a tying technic, actually. But Nerbomber took it home, so she's going to be hosting this week. As a Patreon subscriber, and specifically as a Knight subscriber, Ben gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and input into our weekly game segment, as well as this shout out and the occasional guest spot which he just had last week so if you want to be like ben you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for the details on that there are also two lower tiers of subscription which gets you access uh, the second one gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and the third gets you access to the monthly secret segment so again patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for the details on that thanks again to ben and we will be right back after a brief sponsorship message Today's episode is brought to you by Naked Nutrition. Naked Nutrition provides you with pure protein powders and supplements to help you meet your nutrition and fitness goals. Naked Nutrition is completely transparent about their ingredients. That way, you know exactly what is going into your body. No additives means your body gets more of what it needs. And I suggest checking out the powdered peanut butter. It's actually vegan and mm -mm, it's delicious. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase at NakedNutrition.com by using the code P-O-D, that's POD. It's 10% off using the code POD for first-time customers. Take your nutrition to the next level with Naked Nutrition. Sounds delicious. Okay, welcome back. Thanks again to our sponsor for this episode. We are going to now move into our discussion of Wonder Woman 1984, which... 
there's big news on this. You've probably heard this already. We're probably late on this one. Uh, last week, it was announced that instead of pushing this movie back again, which was originally slated for release, I think back in June of this year, they have finally decided, okay, it's going to release. It's still going to release theatrically on Christmas Day, but it's also going to be released at the same time, same exact day on HBO Max. So this is obviously big news, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what Mulan did, but a little bit different. Mulan, there was an upcharge. There's no upcharge for Wonder Woman 1984. If you're an HBO Max subscriber, you have Wonder Woman 1984 available to you on Christmas Day. It's only going to be there for a month, but you can either watch it in the theater or you can watch it on HBO Max. I don't understand the economics of this. I feel like I had a decent grip on it with Mulan, but with this, I'm... I don't know. I don't even know how much HBO Max costs a month. I don't know if they're and, and did HBO go to Patty Jenkins and say, "Hey, we want to finance your movie." I don't really know how that works. Do either of you guys? <laughs> not to put so, you on the spot, but like, I mean, economics-wise, the only thing I can think is that HBO Max has such a low subscriber base as it is that they're hoping that this will cause people to sign up for a month and that they'll recoup their losses that way and potentially use it as a loss leader to get people in the door. Because that's literally the only thing I can think of. I mean, up until I think just recently, within the last couple of weeks, HBO Max was not even available on Roku's or Fire Sticks or anything like that. I think you could only get it. Week. Yeah. I think you could only get it if you were um, either streaming it from a computer to your television or like have an HDMI cable plugged in, which who wants to go through that rigmarole or consoles. So I wonder if honestly they just don't have a good install base and they're hoping that this is the thing that'll turn that tide. So they're willing to take a hit on the money they'll potentially make, also knowing that it is available in some theaters to get some money back as well. That's the only thing I can think of. Like the only reason we even have HBO Max is because apparently, and you may want to check if you guys had HBO as a cable subscriber, which we did, it was like part of our package. And apparently that got us free HBO Max. So some cable providers are doing that. Yeah, my parents have HBO Max. They're also on Verizon Fios, so this this all checks out. They have HBO, which means they have HBO Max, which means I have HBO Max because I steal it from them. Shout out to my mom and dad. Thanks for the HBO Max. Otherwise, I would not have it. Especially, and you, you mentioned, you know, this Fire Stick and Roku Stick business that they were working out, they are so stupid. HBO is, I mean. For not, I mean... I don't know. I guess I don't know which of the two parties was stupid, but like that's why no one has it. Like it, we watched one show on HBO, Lovecraft Country, earlier this year, and it was a huge pain to put it on a TV because our PS4 was in another room that wasn't, you know, didn't have the big TV, and like it just didn't make. It was you had to bend over backwards just to get it streaming on your TV. So they could be in for a, a huge boon in subscribers, both with the Wonder Woman news and with the news that you can finally get it on your Fire Stick. But yeah, I can imagine you might be right that. They're just looking to get people to, to get their foot in the door with HBO Max by saying, we want to watch Wonder Woman 1984, and it costs as much for a month as it would to see it at the movies. In fact, it probably costs less. Could be a smart decision in that sense, but it still seems like someone has to be losing here. I don't know if it's you know DC and Wonder Woman, or if it's HBO Max, or if it's both. Right, because uh, this, like, this was their flagship movie. I mean, DC has been pretty lukewarm. I think Shazam and Aquaman were the two biggest successes, and I have nothing against Shazam, but Aquaman was not a great movie. So it wasn't right. People loved it, and I don't get it. But that's besides the point of this. So when those are your two tentpoles outside of Wonder Woman, I mean, man, this is a big blow. And you're I I don't understand. 
I feel like it makes the DC franchise take a hit. So I don't understand I, this, but I'm grateful, but I, also don't understand. I don't think so. I think Wonder Woman's going to make profit off this regardless of where people watch it. I think the fact that they're making it accessible is definitely going to actually help as opposed to hurt. I think if by releasing it now, one, it ensures that you're not being released when the entire market is going to be releasing movies post-pandemic. So you have a highly anticipated movie, easily accessible, that doesn't really have a lot of competition out when it's going to be released. So you're going to guarantee a lot of viewership. So there's the win on the Wonder Woman side. And then on the HBO Max side, I 100% agree with you, Nerd Bomber, that this is a move by them to get people to maybe subscribe for the month. And then, I hate to say it, but people typically once forget their foot's in the door yeah they just forget and then it just yeah. rolls it over it's the whole i like to call it the the gym phenomena once you sign up for that gym yeah. membership you are hooked this is what i'm currently doing with cbs all access shout out to cbs all access i pay you six dollars a month for essentially no reason at this point but yeah i, I mean th- so there's the christmas day release date too which we have to talk about because the only thing it is competing with not really much of a competition but it's competing with soul which is disney plus's it's a pixar movie that's coming straight to disney plus so there are questions here you know first of all you're nailing down the christmas day movie slot which is probably pretty big i mean families are all together you want family friendly movies that you can watch with the kids and the parents can still enjoy both of those movies fit the bill perfectly so you you know you figure hbo max is going to get a pretty big slice of that pie what i'm seeing a lot of is people calling for disney plus to do the same thing with black widow you know obviously there's parallels you can easily draw between one superhero franchise and another and you can you know fans can look to hbo max and say look what they're doing disney plus just do that i didn't buy mulan because i didn't want to buy it i have disney plus i'm desperate for content that's not the mandalorian because by the way i'm desperate for content that's not the mandalorian on disney plus the mandalorian's amazing but it's like the number one most watched show there number one most most watched thing it's like five times the views of the next closest thing so Disney Plus is kind of starting to have a problem where they only have one thing that they're good for. <laughs> this might be a way to fix that or at least, again, get people into the door. People whose annual subscriptions lapsed and they opted out might now say, oh, well, if Black Widow's coming there, I, I might go back. I don't know if Disney's really considering that seriously, but it's something I've seen and I would I would probably endorse, even if it, even if, if it again, involves an upcharge like Mulan did. It's still a step in the right direction for people who desperately want black widow i mean black widow was even earlier that was may that was supposed to come out i don't even know when the release date is for that currently but fruit for thought i guess stuff like this though is a sign of good faith if nothing else like if there is no like if it's not going to make money you know what i mean if if they're not going to make money back right at least they've got me interested in the rest of dc because i appreciate (laughs) in this time when it feels like i'm in a boredom black hole for like six to eight months now I appreciate new content in any form, which is why I've been hopping on any mediocre Netflix movie that comes my way. Yeah, and uh, it's huge. So having something like this, like I'm so excited, and I will miss that theater experience. But man, I'm so excited to just have a, a movie that's almost guaranteed to be good. I hope it is almost guaranteed to be good. After the last one, I feel like Wonder Woman and Patty Jenkins, like they have a. a decently clear vision so it should be a good movie i'm just so excited to sit down and be like wow this one actually blew me away instead of oh well that movie was okay i guess let's have another beer chances are 
yeah, I feel like the chances are very good that this is very good. I, I, th- I'm going to be watching this for sure. It's it's There's no waffling here. It's not like Mulan for me. I'm not even sure if I'll watch Soul, but this for sure we'll be watching. So you mentioned mediocre Netflix. I don't know if that's going to be your update for the week, but we can transition to what are you up to Wednesday? Maybe one of you has quote unquote mediocre Netflix fare to, to run through with us, but Ooh, I, do. Uh, I guess I'll Decide amongst yourselves who wants to start. So we watched a movie starring Jenny Slate called The Sunlit Night. And this is on Hulu, by the way, not Netflix, but close enough at this point. (laughs) We watched it on a service. (laughs) And it was was about a, a young artist trying to grow as an artist. And... The movie itself, it, it seemed like it was trying to be its own statement piece. And I could see why it was successful in doing that and and why some people might think it was a good movie. But for me, it was just one of those movies that you ever sit and watch a movie and after the movie, you, you look at it and go, well, that happened. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It just kind of happened. It just happened to you. Yeah. It's had like- a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. I looked it up just now. To be clear, like the cast, so we didn't check Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe that was our bad, but we watched the trailer and like it's got Jenny Slate, Zach Galifianakis, Jillian Anderson, Gillian, Jillian Anderson. Gillian. Eh, whatever. And so like we're like, okay, this this could be pretty interesting. And the trailer makes it look like there was some like crazy Viking shit about to go down. Sorry for my language. Just kind of slipped. It seems like there's going to be some crazy Viking stuff about to drop and... I'm not, I don't want to spoil it, but temper your expectations if you're going in thinking that there's a lot of crazy Viking stuff. And like Tactic said, it, it just kind of happened. And we're like, oh, okay. It wasn't, it the wasn't main like terrible. Names. But, like, I want to go through the main characters' names here because I just looked this up on Google. Francis, Yasha, Haldor, and Oyana. <laughs> uh, that's something. Talking a big game, either in terms of Vikingness or artsiness, perhaps both, based on what you're saying. It seems like they, and Tactic, I don't want to steal your thunder here, so maybe you can take this Thunder's been stolen. But it it seemed like they went too hard on the artsy-fartsiness. And, like, that's good in doses, but more stuff needed to happen. Uh, Well, Tactic, anything to to add or or otherwise contribute to the what are you up to? Your thunder did get a little stolen, so I want to give you another chance here. I had one of those weeks where that's really all I remember doing. (laughs) Hey, hey, you know, mine's going to be pretty short, too, so that's, that's... that's completely fine. For, for me, I'm going to talk less about what I've been doing and more what I'm planning to do. It's one of those things. A couple of brief bullet points. Finished The Lord of the Rings, finally. The books, not the movies. Uh, so I'm moving into what I call the Yuletide reading phase of my year. I'm a collector of, of a few Christmassy books. And uh, this year, amongst the fair, of course, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. I used to have a copy of Miracle on 34th Street. I've since lost it. So not that. Uh, the Nutcracker by Alexander Dumas. And uh, the novelization of A Christmas Story, which is actually based on a number of short stories published by Jean Shepard or Jean Shepard. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Jean. Uh, who, was a, who was a humorist back in like the 70s. I'm reading that one right now. It's really fantastic. I would definitely recommend it. So there's a lot of Christmassy reading going on. We decorated for Christmas here, which I know it's early to do that. But I also know that Nerd Bomber and Technic also did that. Not to out you guys, but we're decorated early. Uh, earlier than we've ever been because you know it's a pandemic and we're at home so why not decorate how's the tree Uh, holding up the tree is good for for those at home the tree that we have in our house courtesy of tactic and our bummer it's their cast off tree and we took it and loved it it back to life it needed to go to a loving home because it was too small when we moved (laughs) 
we do we do love it and this year the highlight was we were setting it up and my girlfriend said this is the first time we're setting up this tree and i said no it's not we had it last year and she said really and i said yeah so it's a really memorable tree. That's a good <laughs> story. Tree. You tell it at parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I tell it at parties. Um, I'm going to tell it at parties. I mean, it just happened yesterday, so I'm, I will tell it at future parties. But uh, we're decorated on my horizon. I've been mentioning for the past few weeks that I need to get a new game in my life. Did you say um, horizon as a hint? Please say yes. I did. I did not. Sorry, I didn't mean to do. Boy, I didn't mean to do that. No, I'm actually going. So I'm going backwards, and grant, I guess horizon's also backwards. But um, I've been meaning to to buy a used copy of Jedi Fallen Order. And this is another head fake because I didn't. But I was like, you know, if I need a Star Wars video game fix, I have Battlefront 2 that I played like one hour of the story mission and then just put it down for some reason. I think I was like busy with finals or something. So I picked that up again. I downloaded it last night and I was playing through the arcade mode while it was downloading. But now it's fully installed. So I'm going to be getting some story action from that sometime during the week here. We'll update. I know that's kind of an older haunt, but um, that's what's coming up for me so that's it for me i'll turn it over to nerd bomber to round us out here so for me i have had a very exciting gaming week that's pretty much what i've been doing and so i finished spider-man miles morales 10 out of 10 a plus experience i think when i finished it i immediately sent a, a group chat to both of you saying yeah. that it was heckin incredible and it was i mean it like i said a lot shorter than i would like because obviously it's a shorter game than the original spider-man but i think i still spent a solid 16 hours with the game so like nothing to really sneeze at and it was as fun as i wanted it to be i think the stealth action and the electrical action made it differentiated enough and i know i talked about it ad nauseum last week so i don't want to talk about that anymore i will move into astro's playroom which Wait a, se- wait a second before you before you go on did you side quest like 100 percent this thing yes i or did where you got every it? collectible every side quest all the story you missions everything is done well good for you yeah the side missions i will say there are a lot less it's more collector stuff than in the original okay. spider-man game like there's not as many enemy territories i, I think there's only like yeah. maybe 10 in the entire thing and i feel like there were a lot more enemy hideouts in the original spider-man but like I said, I expected it to be shorter. They said it was shorter, so I was not. I, was I have not to upset. ask, any glitchiness things that you observed? Honestly, not really. I've seen a lot of weird stuff where like people turn into bricks as they're swinging around Manhattan. And that is not something I experienced. Actually, I had a very flawless playthrough. There was nothing really weird <laughs> that happened. I have seen those videos. Those are amazing videos, by the way. Like uh, I was a little turning, sad turning that it didn't brick. happen. Like I wanted to be a flying brick, but... Right. Who wouldn't? So anyways, Astro's Playroom. Yeah, you, you were getting to that. I, I cut you off. No, you're good. Astro's Playroom was amazing. And I so it comes ported with every single PlayStation 5. It's already installed. And essentially, it's a tech demo to show you everything that the controller can do. So I wasn't expecting a lot out of it. I thought it would maybe be like a couple hours of playtime and it would just be like a really rudimentary game. But oh, my God, I love it. And I wish there was more of it. And it really, it felt like it was a great 3D platforming game. It made incredible use of the controller. I mean, everything from using the gyro inside the controller or whatever is calculating the rotation to the adaptive triggers, which is incredible. I think, I mean, you could kind of feel it in the Spider-Man game when you're swinging, but 
I mean, Astro's Playroom made an incredible use of the adaptive triggers using the touchpad. I mean, heck, even blowing into the microphone to get like a rubber ducky balloon to take you through a map. It was just a really, really, really fun game. Adorably cute. Like, I would say I would put it on a Nintendo type level in terms of cuteness and just overall playability. And the soundtrack was banging. It was great. I mean, I've literally been bopping around the house singing the Astros Playroom theme song, I think, for the last like two days. And one of the things that I loved the best was that when you're playing through it, it actually pays homage to pretty much every Sony periphery or game that you can think of. So obviously, like the game world is full of these little Astrobots. It basically looks like the little main character, but throughout all of the different levels, they have little scenes where an astrobot is basically with a video camera taking a video of the scene that's playing out and it's basically like a scene or a character from any one of the various sony properties over the many many years that sony has been in business in the video game business so everything from final fantasy to i think there was metal gear solid there was aloy from horizon zero dawn i mean there was uncharted all of these little scenes played out all throughout the entire game, paying homage to all of the the great properties that Sony has been a part of. And it, that was just super cool. And you also had the opportunity to unlock basically 3D models of all of the different consoles through the ages, all of the different controllers, all of the different accessories, and then basically build a collection in the game so you could go back and see all of the different stuff you've collected. So just kind of taking a walk down memory lane was really awesome paired with the super cuteness and just fun game mechanics and the controller of this game was just 10 out of 10. If you think that it's just a game that's been ported with a console, you're right, but you should still play it because it's incredible. And I honestly, like, if I knew there was a sequel coming out, I would buy it right now because it was just that fun of an experience and I was not expecting that. So, yeah. So you might have mentioned this. This is, this is the Astro from the VR Rescue Mission too, right? Because I've heard a million good things about that game. Uh, yeah, it still is. Don't have it, but. Yeah, it's the same team that did that same. Yeah, I've never played the VR version either. Now I kind of want to. Like, I know I have this I've shiny so new good. PlayStation Five, but I want to go back to my PlayStation Four and go because it's still hooked up to the VR and go play Astrobots Rescue Mission. That reminds me, by the way, I want to shout out PlayStation Support or whatever Sony. They sent me my PS Five camera adapter this week this past week and uh the name on the package was wrong and then someone from colorado texted me saying i got a package with your name on it and my and your phone number on it on my doorstep they're just sending camera adapters to people with the wrong names on the packages so if you're if you ordered a ps5 camera adapter be on the lookout for packages it's actually part of the pen pal program the playstation it's, pen pal program it's starting to feel that way yeah shout out to sony hashtag cool. 3p hashtag 3p uh we'll get we'll get that trending Nerd Bomber is on the quiz today, if my memory serves me, and she is taking us to Turkey Town. Absolutely. So yeah, staying in the Thanksgiving theme this week, we have a quiz all about turkey facts. And this one is going to be Price is Right style again, because I couldn't come up with a good lie detector method for turkeys, unfortunately. So I'm going to just dive right into it. We'll start with uh, Tactic answering first, and then you guys can rotate back and forth. So the very first question is... How fast can turkeys run on land? 12 miles an hour. Oh, it's absolutely faster than that. 20 miles an hour. All right. So illegal starts out hot. They can run up to 25 miles per hour on land. Oh, yeah. And 
they actually pretty much double that speed in air. They can fly 55 miles per hour. So, you know, when you're like on the, the throughway and you accidentally hit a turkey and it seems like you, you just like hit a moving truck or something like that. It's because it's basically going as fast as a moving truck. <laughs> I'll remember that next time I hit a turkey on the, on the highway. <laughs> So there are several different species of wild turkey out there. How many different subspecies exist in North America? Subspecies. 12. I'm going to steal Tactic's answer from last time. 12. Oh, it's way higher than that. 20. All right. So you actually busted on this. And I, I probably led the witness a little bit by saying that there were several or a bunch. There are six subspecies of wild turkey. They are all native to North America. And the pilgrims actually hunted and ate the eastern wild turkey, which is, strangely enough, found in the eastern part of North America. But they are actually the most num numerous of the turkey subspecies. Boy, so, I think I played you like a fiddle there. Wasn't you did. fun. You busted too. <laughs> but he's know, still but up I, by one point I'm now. So, I'm, so, I'm still winning. So according to the University of Illinois, how many turkeys a year are eaten for Thanksgiving in the United States? Tectic, this is you first. All right, I'm thinking about it. This is on Thanksgiving or the entire year? Oh, yeah. On Thanksgiving. I'm going to go 600. No, I'm going to go 140 million. All right, Illegal, how about you? I. That's a pretty good guess. I'm going to go lower, honestly, because I think, it, okay, 330 million people in this country. Most of them are parts of, the average family size is four. I'm just taking that to be a given. Which puts us, I'm going to say, 80 million. So, you guys both busted again. It's 46 million turkeys. So, <laughs> that ends up being over 700 million pounds of turkey. So, if it was pounds of turkey, it would have been kind of in the same realm. But you both busted. So, as of right now, the score is still one to nothing. I, I basically picked the amount of people it. that voted this year in the election. And then said, okay, each one of them a gets a turkey. <laughs> That's a very strange proxy, but a proxy nonetheless. Uh, well, uh, let's crack on. I'm still winning. So the heaviest turkey ever raised was pretty chonky boy. How many pounds did that turkey weigh? Oh, this thing was an absolute behemoth. 80 pounds. He was he was big. He was a big dude. All right, Tactic, what you got? I feel like you busted considering the average family gets a 20-pound turkey. So I'm going to pick a safe bet and say 35 pounds. All right, so actually, illegal is super, super close. Come the up. heaviest turkey ever raised was 86 pounds, which is about the size <laughs> of a large dog. I know my chunky boys, all right? Our next question, with illegal in the lead, 2-0, and we have three questions left, is Oof. how many feathers does a typical turkey have when it reaches maturity? Tactics up first. 150 feathers. That's a good guess. However... I think it's I think it's less. I'm going to cut it in half and say 75. All right. Well, you both were really far off, but Tactic was closer. Turkeys will have about 3,500 feathers at maturity. What the hell? Where? Think about all of the I... different layers. They're very like voluptuous turkeys. You're a voluptuous turkey. Think about how bulky they look <laughs> versus like that frozen turkey that you get at home. And then their, well, the their beautiful boy, tail. Sure. Their tail feathers... It... I mean, that's like a, the 80 pounder, a cornucopia of feathers. <laughs> the 80-pounder had 3,500. But a 20-pound turkey, you couldn't fit 3,500 feathers on there, Yeah, man. but there's also like little itty-bitty feathers. Okay, technically, that's the point. <laughs> I, I, I yield. Okay. Um, I was hoping to carry the win away there early, but I'm, I'm still in the pole position. Let's do this. So two to one, going into our second to last question. 
How long does it take turkey eggs to hatch? Oh, right. This is me. See, I don't even know how long it takes a chicken egg to hatch. So I have no point of reference for this at all. So I'm just going to say uh, 90 days. Tactic, no what Could say you? Close. Is is days the, the unit of measurement you're looking for? I feel like I should have given both of you guys that hint. I feel like it's weeks, by the way. It's not days. And so what is 90 days in weeks? It, it doesn't matter. I'll convert it even if it's not the right unit. I know, but I'm trying to figure that oh. out. What is 90 days? <laughs> Somebody uh, 90 be, divided by 7. It'd be like 12 weeks. Because 12 weeks, weeks more like 12 weeks was what I was going to guess. But I think that's... I'm just under 13 weeks. I'm a, a day b- uh, under 13 weeks. I'm going to assume you busted and say five weeks and play it safe. Okay. All right. So y'all both busted because they hatch in 28 days. So if you want to eat a turkey egg, you got to eat the that hell? bad boy quick. I don't know So I was off turkey, by one guys. week. You made it sound like I busted by a lot. It was off by one week. He still busted. You guys weren't, you weren't even close, dude. All right, so now you have to get this last one to tie it up. That's where we, we can are. We can make it interesting and make it worth two for all the marbles, or we can just have me do a tiebreaker on the fly from the not, wonderful- no, Let's not make it interesting. Okay. It's already pretty interesting. I do have I'm, I'm, everything- I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat here. For the most part, where I'm pulling this from is this website- as I said from the, the source before, called Turkey for Thanksgiving. And it has a lot of plethora of yeah. turkey facts, so I can find something. For the final showdown, potentially, how old was the oldest known wild turkey? Okay, so that was that was Albuquerque. He was a turkey. He was feathered, and he was fine. And his age... Is that a song? Yes. Like just, okay. His age was... 12 years old oh my god it's way more than that this is like a turtle situation this thing was like 80 i'm gonna say i'm not gonna go one over but i'm gonna be i'm gonna play i'm gonna say 15 years all right so tactic actually gets it the oldest known wild turkey was 13 years old unbelievable all All right i'm at the mercy of the quiz so this is it the tiebreaker round Okay, I found a really uh, great I, tiebreaker. I have to find a way to phrase this that isn't straight. I have to go. F- I have to go first. I'm. I'm in the. I'm in the weak position. So at one point in time, turkeys were walked to market in herds. They wore booties yeah. to protect their feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they wore booties, turkey booties. How long ago did turkeys wear booties when they were walked to the market? Okay, so you're wa- you're you're taking your pet turkey to the market. This is a, I mean, this is a bizarre situation. I, I don't just mean bizarre like B-I-Z-Z-A-R-E or whatever. I mean like bizarre like B-A-Z-A-A-R. Like this is like, <laughs> you're so. Punk. This is like, this is back in like this is before like you know electricity and telephones certainly probably before telegrams. When would you walk a turkey to the market? I mean this is, but you would also have the capability to make booties for him. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is fourteen fourteen. This is 1490. This is right before Columbus came over. That's that's where we are. I think it's way after that. Um, so the question was phrased, how many years ago? So yep. you're saying... Oh, whoops. You're saying <laughs> 600 years ago? Six? No, I'm not saying 600. I'm saying 500. 530. Yeah, that sounds about right. Five, I'm, I'm going to say 100 years ago. I, I, see, I could see this in the 1920s. You think in 1920 people were walking turkey? Heck okay. yeah. Enjoy your loss. Enjoy your loss. So Technic was actually closer here. They were walking turkeys 200 years ago. But he busted then, didn't he? Or no, he didn't because it was how many years ago? God yep. bless it. 
So I do have to point out, though, that in an earlier question, I said that all of the subspecies of wild turkey are native to North America. So if it was before Christopher Columbus, then they would not have turkeys in England. I don't pay attention that much. (laughs) Good grief. All right. Well, Tactic, what a comeback. Uh, I respect it. I respect the hustle. I respect the jive. He's the top Uh, gobbler. Oh, the top gobbler. No, (laughs) I don't want Um, that. I I yield to your turkey prowess, and I will be here next week answering questions or answering them incorrectly again. Uh, And we're hoping to see all of you as we round the corner into December, into the last month of the year. The the again the hellscape that has been 2020. We thank you for joining us today again. Twitter, we're all there at owlu86 at ownerbomber at owtechnic at online warriors one come chat with us about anything on the episode or anything else or head to apple podcasts and leave us a review tell me that my voice sounds like broken glass or tell tactic that his voice sounds like a velvet smoothie i don't know figure out whatever you want to say that neither of those made any sense but um we're open to feedback is my point before we sign off today yeah. i have one last parting gift to our listeners can you guys Kind of, but not really. Okay. Can you guys give us your best turkey gobbles? No. <laughs> okay, that was that was good. That's where we're going to leave it. I'm not... I refuse to do it. Um, <laughs> if, if that's the difference between our listeners staying with us or leaving us, I'm more than happy to show them the door to not do a, do a turkey gobble on, on the air. We'll, we'll save that for a secret segment or something. I don't know. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. We'll see you next week.